what's up, Doc? <laughs> Bad impersonations aside, we talk the crossover between DC Comics and Looney Tunes on this episode of Graphic Content. Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? What are you? I'm the abomination, the strongest mutant of all. Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. Stop. How's life? He seems nice. And we're back with episode 24 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason, and I am here alongside... Adam Messinger. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, just the fun thing to fuck with you it, now. You know, we, we, we just don't know what the, what the hell the other guy's going to do until the mic goes live. So, uh, Adam, you were out of the studio last week. I was. You hadn't had an opportunity... To see Spider-Man Homecoming yet, have you had a chance to see it yet? No, I have no clue. It, the thing is, the reason I like doing the movie reviews uh-huh. is it gives me an excuse to go see the movies. Half the time, I don't get to go see them. Okay. Well. So so I'm going to try to make time to go see Spider-Man, but God knows when that's going to happen. Well, hopefully it'll happen in the next month or so. It's worth, I mean, look, at the very least, go see a matinee. Chris and I, I mean, you um, you didn't hear our review I gave it a four. Chris gave it a three point five. So okay. an aggregate three point seven five. Not yeah. bad. So that was good. So we're here today to talk about DC Comics and Looney Tunes crossing over. Putting it right out there, DC Comics is a wholly owned subsidiary of Warner Brothers, uh, or Time Warner, I should say. Time Warner, in turn, owns Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers Animation, and they thought, hey, we got these superhero characters on one side. And we got these cartoon characters on the other side. We got chocolate in the superheroes and peanut butter in the cartoons. Let's slap them together and see if we can get a Reese's out of it. You know how I felt hmm. whenever they announced this? And this is, this is graphic. Did you, did you feel depression? No, I felt... I felt depression. I felt like... You know how... And I don't know if you had siblings, but how I would yes, imagine... I've, I've brother and sister. Okay, so yep. so imagine you're like four years old and you got to use the bathroom. Well, I was the oldest, so I never had a problem okay. with that. Okay. And then your, your little brother's like, fuck it, and he bursts in, and then he just starts peeing while you're peeing, and you cross pee streams. Oh, that's not good. That's how I felt. That's not good. That's what I felt like they were doing with this, was crossing pee streams in the bathroom. Look... Bill Murray said, you don't cross the streams. And I, or was that Harold Ramis? It was Harold Ramis. That said, they all said it at one point yeah. over the two movies. And, and it definitely, uh, they weren't just talking about Ghostbusters. That was a metaphor for life. For life. And you don't cross the streams. But you know what was funny? And, and this, is, this is me kind of tipping my hat a little bit. Is that they weren't all bad. 
And, um, you know, I got depressed, like, okay, this is marketing. This is them trying to, uh, you know, come out with something for younger readers, you know, to bring them into the superhero world. Actually, I think it was a fifth week thing. They just didn't have anything for fifth week. And they, and I feel like they did that with Hanna Barbera, and they did that with Looney Tunes. Okay, I felt like it was just like shit. We need something in the fifth week. What's fun? Let's do this. Well, you know, and and, and honestly, looking back on it now, with looking the initial, b- no, yeah, you're the probably your announcement was you know, the pee stream, right? And <laughs> <laughs> whatever you do, don't pee on the floor. Uh, <laughs> no promises. Oh my god! No, I I just I, I I remember going, what the fuck, guys, and. And and did they announce that, or did they announce the Hanna-Barbera first? Hanna-Barbera was first, because it was last year, I believe. I want to say. I want to say. It was like right. fall of last year. But they had some really cool stories, and we're going to review those in our next regular episode. Tomorrow, the 20th, we're going to release this episode that we're going to be talking about today, the crossover of DC Comics and Looney Tunes. Then on Sunday... You and I, Sunday, that would be the 22nd, you and I are going to record a special episode that is going to unpack all the news, and we hope there's lots of cool pop culture, comics, film, TV news to come out of this weekend's San Diego Comic-Con. So it is happening down in San Diego, and it's going to be so radioactive from just the nuclear head explosions like Dr. Manhattan style, we can't be anywhere near it. We just can't, Adam and I. This is true. So we're going to actually gather up all of our sources of news, which will primarily be Heidi McDonald's The Beat, the comics beat, and Bleeding Cool. And I'm going to use CBR just because I hate myself. And look, I I posted that link to the Newsarama article, uh, which was really well done. Um, I, I, I I started to read it, and it looked good, but I didn't have time to, to finish take, it. Take a look at it. Just a real quick shout-out. I don't have the writer, but it was about the future of cosplay given the events of the guy carrying the loaded weapons. Oh, that's right. I remember being really intrigued because... Phoenix the, Comic-Con. There was that, yeah. and then the London thing had just happened exactly. the night before. So, I mean... Terrorism and and uh, attacks right. were very. All of our guards were up because of those tragedies. Exactly. So um, that might even be you know the future of conventions. Another future um, article for us possibly. Um, but any article episode. I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. But anyway, we're going to do an unpacking of the news that we hear and see online from uh, San Diego Comic-Con, otherwise known as Comic-Con International, otherwise known as the Death Star of the convention circuit. Or as I refer to it as SDCC. Which is kind of like a venereal disease. I mean, it sounds somewhat like It's part of why I've never been. Uh, You know what? I've had great times at SDCC. I've also had times of claustrophobia, panic triggers as well. So, uh, and that's why I am not going. Well, or ever. You know, hey, I made that decision. I think at the age of seventeen, when, when I saw on G four they were reporting it, and I was like, all right, this has kind of gotten out of control. Right. It it is it is a sight to behold. But anyway, so that's going to be our episode that we're gonna we're gonna record it on Sunday. I'm hoping to be able to upload it Sunday night. If not, it'll be available Monday morning. And then on the 27th, 
we're going to do our review from of last year's DC Hanna-Barbera crossovers. And Adam, you have on the table Space Ghost Green Lantern. Yep. And, and what's the, the other one? Banana that you, Splits and Suicide Squad. Which just blows my mind. Um, so <laughs> I can't... Oh, yes. I, I haven't oh, yes. read either of those yet, and I can't wait. Um, speaking of things that we have not had a chance to read yet, neither Adam or myself have had a chance to read one of the Looney Tunes uh, specials, DC Looney Tunes specials, and that is Lobo Roadrunner, uh, written by uh, Bill Morrison and Kelly Jones, with a backup with writing and art by Bill Morrison, famous from the Bongo Comics line, Yeah, doing Simpsons for years and years and years. It was just kind of funny how it was serendipity whenever I said, oh, this is the one I haven't read, and Jim's like, this is the one I haven't read. Holy shit, we're... Our brains are tied yeah. together somehow by some <laughs> psychic connection. Yeah. So, you know, our our apologies to Messrs. Morrison and Jones. Well, we're we, going to get to it. We're absolutely going to do that because we're going to lead off the next episode with the Hanna-Barbera stuff there. And that Looney Tunes one-shot. And that Looney Tunes. That, yeah. that we missed. Exactly. So uh, Lobo Roadrunner will actually lead. That will be the first thing that we review on the episode that's going to drop on the 27th. Um, one other thing is that they released online Superman Bugs Bunny 100-page special. Now, Adam wasn't aware of this, but they dropped it. Was uh, it a digital only? I don't know. I, I didn't see any ads for it. I just said, oh, 100-page special with Superman and, and Bugs Bunny? This should be interesting. It was fucking terrible. Um, it was... Now, look, okay, everything that I'm going to say right now is supposition only, okay? I don't have any firm intel on what the background machinations of this were or was. It, all I can tell you is this, is that it's not a true Superman Bugs Bunny crossover. It is a crossover of the Looney Tunes characters um, with uh, members of Morrison's era JLA, the Grant Morrison era JLA. Do we get Electric Superman? No, you oh, get regular okay. you get regular classic underwear on the outside Superman. Uh, him and Lois and Mr. Mixia's Pitlick or whatever, and the Dodo Bird, you know, the, the two reality warpings from each line of, of stuff. It's, it's just it's just shit. And look, the art was done by one of the one of comics' greats, Joe Staten, who's run on Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps is probably right up there with Jim Aparo on Batman with with who I know you're you cracking it just cracks me up because both of those guys don't really do anything for me I'm oh god he's I mean Joe Staten did funny comics before a lot of guys with E-Man back in the day and uh, fuck it, 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 it just ne just never appealed to me yeah no f one it, of the it, things that put me off about uh about that um Fucking uh, the J.M. Dematisse Legends of the Dark Knight story going sane. Yeah. Was Joe Staten doing art? He's not perfect for everything. I mean, I, I really liked him with Steve Englehart on Green Lantern. You know, it, it had, you know, a real crazy, you know, the aliens. Like, he was the guy who create you know, who co-created Salak 
and who brought Chip. I literally and, was about to ask, like, oh, did he do Salak? Yeah, yeah, you know, so he had this real flair for the alien, alien Green Lanterns and stuff like that. So, Oh, well, that's uh, admirable if yeah. he designed all that shit. Yeah. It's all used today. And, and look, I, uh, obviously he's getting to that age now where he doesn't get a lot of work. And um, Did this, was this evident of that? No. It, you know, I, I found that his color, you know, that, that the color in the anchors, 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 yeah. the anchors were, were very kind to him. And I thought his art looked really, really consistent with that era of comics from the 90s. And here's hmm. the thing. I don't know if this was a project that was shelved back in the 90s or if this was something that was commissioned for now. But I can tell you this. As, as oh God, I, I love Mark Vanier for the fact that he is the guy who's keeping Kirby's spirit alive at cons worldwide, that this guy is the keeper of the flame, the eternal flame for all things Kirby. Um, you know, he has written some wonderful, wonderful articles in a variety of publications, and, and he is a tremendous creator with a storied career himself. That being said, this comic was, was this hundred, quote-unquote, air quotes, hundred-page special was for Looney Tunes JLA or Superman crossovers that were just shite. I mean, the, the stories were, were bonkers, and they were cardboard cutouts, and I just don't see where the joy of these characters were. I mean, it's okay to do things, to do use any character for a joke. I even think Batman could be done funny again. I mean, look. Uh, the, uh, let's the, look at, what was it, the Little League out of Superman, Batman, yes. about, you know, seven, eight years ago? Yeah, where absolutely. Where fucking Batman's parents got pushed, and that was fucking hilarious. Right, or what about fucking Batman 66 right now? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... I think Batman could be done funny. I just don't think the funny was funny. It, does that make sense yeah. in that book? So you said that you missed it. I'm glad that you missed it. Um, I'm sorry that I read 100 pages <laughs> of it. And I hope Mark Avanier, if you're listening, because I, I don't know if he's listening anymore. I know he tuned in in the beginning, oh, okay. but I don't think he, he tuned in. He might have in. dropped off. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're calling me shite. Fuck those guys. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? What comics have they done, motherfuckers? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the amazing Fist guy and the guy who wrote a backup character in an RPG. Fuck you. you know? <laughs> I've written hundreds of comics. Uh, no, Mark Avanier is a quality human being. This one just didn't land. So... Yeah. Enough said about that one. Um, I want to start out, but we're, we're going to go over a few of the books here. Well, we have five books to go over. And let's start out with Bugs Bunny and the Legion of Superheroes. I, I loved this book. I thought it was great. The only strike it had against it was Tom Grummet art. But even then, it was such an enjoyable story. Wasn't it? And, and look, you know, I, I mean, you know me. I mean, we've talked about this now on 23 various podcasts that I am a Titans fanboy. And Tom Grummet, I, I never minded Tom Grummet during his, his Titans run. It's when he went over to X-Men that I wanted to go, why? Why is this happening? This is He went over to X-Men? He did X-Men for a while, dude. Ugh. Yeah. I know he did it with that X-Men Forever shit, but yeah. That's... I know he did X-Men Forever, and Ugh. maybe that's what I'm referencing. It was so forgettable, I wanted to go. <laughs> Either way, yeah. His, I remember I was sad when he came on Avengers Academy and yeah. fucking ruined my Avengers Academy book. You know, he's he, Tom Grummet has, has, has really consistent line work. His stuff here, it looks like he has not lost a step at all in all these years. I mean, he looks just like the Tom Grummet. If you're a Tom Grummet fan... 
you're getting Tom Grummet in yep. this one. I mean, there's no degradation that the years have taken. That's on one him. thing I can say is you know exactly what you're going to get when you when you know it's a Tom Grummet book. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I uh, I, I, I kind of question the the choice of publishing a Bugs Bunny and the Legion of Superheroes. I think doing just a, a special Bugs Bunny and Superman probably would have been more, um, just speaking from a business perspective, probably your a bigger marquee, seller. marquee properties. Yeah, right. Your two marquee properties, you've got Bugs Bunny and you've got Superman. I mean, to me, that's duh. Me, who, however, remember, I love teen, teenage superhero teams. Do oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Now, check this That's out. That's right. Here's a little bit of Jim trivia. The one book in Jim's entire life that he had a mail-order subscription to was Legion of Superheroes. The Paul Levitt shit from, the, like, the 80s? Try before. Oh, I mean, God. he was writing before that. But, I mean, like, this was... I don't even know. It was before Steve Lytle was on the book. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like in okay. the 70s. Yeah. And so forgive me for not knowing who, who the uh, creators are. I know that Steve Dicko actually came in and did a couple of issues towards the end of my I subscription think, and, and on that. Mark Mike Grell also. Well, Mike Grell was the guy. Or was he later? He was much before. Oh, okay. So he was like in the early to mid-70s. Okay. Him, Dave Cockrum was on that book for a time. And I just find it funny that a defunct or maybe a, a, a book that or a group of characters that are on hiatus right now was chosen to be with the marquee Looney Tunes character. And I, for one, as an old school Legion fanboy, long live the Legion, I'm actually really pleased with this story. I went in with the attitude of I'm, I'm going to ignore all this stuff just because if it doesn't interest me, I generally don't talk shit about it um, unless I know what I'm... I either am surprised or I know what I'm talking about. Right. Otherwise, I give it no no credence. And uh, this was one of those things. I was like, I this is off my radar. I don't really care about any of this. And right. they can do their fifth week, whatever. Who gives a fuck? Right. And whenever you said this is what we were going to do, it, it made me sit down with stuff that I wouldn't normally read. Uh-huh. And I'm glad we did, because, yeah, I enjoyed the fuck out of this book. Yeah, you know, it was such a throwback. And first of all, kudos to Sam Humphreys for, oh, great for writing the shit out of this story. Uh, he wrote a classic Silver Age-style two-part novel. <laughs> as they oh, used to, yeah. Okay, where it was, it was, it was a two-act structure. And, uh, oh, my God, the use of thought balloons in this were so good. It was such a throwback to the deep Silver Age. You know what? I didn't even think it was so natural, right? That I until you said that, I didn't realize there were thought balloons. I was just, oh shit, there was right. So they, so basically, Kara Supergirl, uh, who is Brainiac 5's girlfriend during this time, and she's wearing her short pants Daisy Duke Supergirl disco outfit from the seventies. You know, and she had like the uh, you know, the blue top that, that pulled over to one side and she had the S over just one small part of her body. And uh, actually, they weren't small, but that's all I'm going to say on that. Anyway, um, she's been poisoned somehow. And Brainiac 5 has created Computo 2, which is, looks remarkably like Skeets from Booster Gold. That, I was thinking <laughs> that when I saw him. Now, is Computo 2, is that like a reference to an older... 
the original Computo, is, which because uh, I that I figured was a was a reference to something that yeah. I didn't know. So Computo, the original Computo, was a giant you know vacuum tube looking computer. In fact, you can see it looking. I'm going to show him the page. It looks like that right there. Oh, okay, yeah. So it looks like uh, what would you say, like a vending machine with tentacles coming yeah. out of it. And very, very much like a Japanese kaiju robot. Exactly. I mean, in the old days. Yeah. Like old, old oh, days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like 50s Godzilla right. robot I mean, fighter. It's fucking terrible. It's got lightning coursing between its two eyes. And uh, it slayed one of triplicate girl's uh, bodies, and it turned her into duo damsel. Oh, okay. I didn't like realize they, it had that big of an now, impact. Now, in the Silver Age... I'm telling you what, when Jim Shooter, Jim Shooter, Jim Shooter, he's a reporter for CNN. When Jim Shooter yeah. was a 14-year-old writing Legion of Superheroes, um, he had the highest body count of any guy in the entire Silver Age. So he kills Pharaoh Lad, who's a guy who can turn himself into living iron. He kills Chemical King, one issue that he's in. He kills one of D- Triplicate Lass's uh, bodies and turns her into duo damsel just because that sounds better. I mean, he, wow. and they stayed dead. They stayed dead back then in the Silver Age. That's I mean, a whole nother subject that we could get into. I, I could talk whole, Silver Age Legion all day long. Well, just I'm talking about death in comics. Death in comics. But <laughs> yeah. but what I love about the Thoughtballoons, and I just want to read one quick bit from here, okay? Oh, I hope, I so, hope I know where you go. It, so, so they're all like, they're all like wondering what the hell do we do to help because uh, Supergirl, because only one element, one rare element will, will cure her poisoning. So um, the four legionnaires, cause there's like 30 legionnaires, 30 Legion of superheroes members, but the four viewpoint legionnaires that they have in this issue are Brainiac five, lightning lass, uh, Timberwolf and ultra boy. Yep. And then you see a bunch of Legionnaires in the background and whatnot. Um, so Brainiac 5 is thinking, you know, right after he gives his diagnosis with the help of Computo 2 to the rest of the Legion, oh, Kara, what good is my brilliant scientific mind if I can't save the girl I love? And then Lightning Last says, what good are my lightning powers if my parents are dead and my brother has turned evil? <laughs> and then Ultra Boy goes, what good am I if I'm a hero? What good am I as a hero if I can't even tell Phantom Girl how I really feel about yeah. her? <laughs> yeah. And then fucking Timberwolf says, I could sure go for a steak right now. Yeah, that fucking, <laughs> that had me. I was just like, that's funny shit. And I'm telling you, Sam Humphreys, who's writing the main Green Lanterns book, the, the um, uh, Je- Simon Baz S- and Jessica, Jessica Cruz run right now, who I'm really loving on that book. That's one of the fewer. I'm, I'm condensing my monthlies right now, and that book is just staying on the strength of his writing. He's writing that so much like the fucking Silver Age Legion used to be, and then he's got this recurring bit that keeps coming through the rest of the issue. Forget Bugs Bunny coming into it. Forget Bugs Bunny. This is a Silver Age Legion goofy as shit story that is the most fun that I have read in a long time time. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, they could have slipped Captain Carrot in here, and it would have been just as good. I mean, you could have slipped me into this comic book, and if, if instead of Bugs Bunny, and so, if Sam Humphreys was writing me, that would have been just as good. Normally, I take away from a creative project, <laughs> 
I was once called negative one Jim on a project because wow. I did the work of one less person. Um, wow. That didn't stand with me very well for a long time. I, I, I can I can understand uh, yeah. being upset about that. But uh, I'll tell you what this this project was freaking fantastic. So um, I want to do a really simple um, rating system for this. Oh, you know, so you're in the comic shop. Let's pretend we're in the comic shop right now, and you see this on the shelf, and you you know, do you tell somebody to buy it or leave it? I'm telling I'm telling you right now I am telling somebody if you're looking for a book that is straight-faced funny and not just done for yucks on every single page I mean this is and and at the same time as a wonderful homage to the silver age this is the book for you It's tough you're going to get a hard time getting me to buy anything cuz the price point on all these were 5 bucks and the ba- True. We, going into the backup the backup I felt was like the book's weakness because all it did was just reinterpret the main story, which was good, but... But it was also done in an extremely Silver age way. Yeah, but and they it, would do... It was I, just redundant, though. It, it might have been redundant, but, I mean, if you... if You know, and this is what I would tell... You know, and, and I'm not saying you buy it or, or leave it. Are you going to recommend somebody to buy it or leave it? That's yeah, the, that's, that's... Well, the, that's like, the question. You know, if you've qualified the consumer... I am telling somebody that if you want this, and this, this is what I'm saying, if you have an appreciation for Silver Age comics, if you have an appreciation like for... Like if they're for, already considering it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, then you, I'm going to tell them buy it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm saying, not just push this on... I mean, look, if somebody's coming in looking for Deadpool, I might put this out as a trial balloon to see if they're into a wider range of comics. But if they're just into the blood and guts and the quick gag then no, I'm not going to put this book in front of them. But if somebody was predisposed to getting this book already, would you tell them to buy oh, it Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's not even a question. This book, the Sam Humphreys, I mean, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the art was solid. Yeah. Um, and the art in the backup I really liked. Yeah, it was very Kurt Swan, the only thing, I thought. The only thing kept bugging me was uh, Ultra oh, Boy. Bug, bugs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no. No, the only thing I that, hate myself. Yeah, the only thing that bothered me was Ultra Boy was orange. That was a, you know what? And I was right. like, motherfuckers, like he's red. His shirt is red, but they used to have coloring mistakes like that all the time. Is that so what I'm, you think I'm that one, was? I'm, I'm thinking that was intentional. Now, well, I, the thing I, is, they kept it up throughout the entire story. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I, yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe the colorist was just a fuck up and didn't get their source right. The editor didn't have time to, to that, go and It's a changes. nitpick. It's an OCD sure. on my part. No, that's, but yeah. that's fair. But I liked it for how Kurt Swan that story looked. Who, now, the artist on that part uh, was Juan Manuel Ortiz. So he did the writing and the art for that. Or no. Yes. He did the writing and the art for that little backup feature. And it yeah. was one a short backup feature. It was. Yeah. It was. But yeah, I would definitely tell somebody to check it out. If they were they were waffling on it, I'd say go for it. Cool. Cool. So so we're gonna go ahead and move on to Wonder Woman Tasmanian Devil. This uh, book can go fuck itself <laughs> and burn in hell. Oh my 
Like, Tony Bedard, Hold on. Hold I on. hate you for making me... Like, this was the part of the assignment now, where I was Tony angry Bedard at everyone. Is, you know Tony Bedard is listening right now, don't you? Yeah, and you know what? My advice is to him is to fucking come up with better ideas or don't take the assignment. Wow. Um, so tell me how you really feel, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, um, I didn't even have a chance to finish. So, yes, Tony Bedard did write this story. He also... Uh, wrote the backup. Um, the art on the first part of the story, which I thought was good, I, was by Barry Kitson because you know it's, I, I, it's I, hard for Barry Kitson to suck. I wish that they had swapped Tom Grummet and Barry, Barry Kitson. <laughs> so you could hate Tom Grummet on this Well, part. that way I could just be like, you know, oh, I really enjoyed the art and lost Bugs Bunny but as Barry well. But Barry Kitson has already done Legion of Superheroes. So and that even more so of why to put him there on There you that. go. Okay, so... Look, I'll be honest, I skimmed this book, and there was a reason for that, is that the story did not grab me. I, I felt, how should I say? So, okay, in Legion of Superheroes, Bugs Bunny, it was Bugs Bunny through and through. Some of the other books that we're going to talk to have DC universe Okay, see what I did there? Yeah. The, the DC universe, the Looney Tunes characters. So in making them more... As opposed to reaching into their reality and pulling them in, it's their already established characters exact. wandering around. So this was... So Wonder Woman encounters the Tasmanian devil. I mean, Adam, tell me the story again okay. because it's so forgettable. You uh, have a better memory. So Wonder Woman is on Thymascara, and she's recalling this uh, mission she went on as a kid that... She had to do these tasks. That's right. Kind of like Hercules did. Yep. And then she goes. Complete with the Minotaur's lair. And that's exactly, yeah. She goes to the Minotaur's lair. Oh, I'm sorry. Lair. I ruined the end of the story. Uh, I don't give a shit. Yeah. They, you shouldn't <laughs> give a shit, listener. Uh, so there's. Just give a shit to what we're saying right yeah, now. We're trying to help you. Okay. So there's the Minotaur thing, and she's like, I'm supposed to defeat it, but instead I ran into Taz, and he was trying to eat me. And he was a monstrous kind of weird-looking yeah, humanoid it, creature that didn't, it didn't work. didn't fit. It didn't the, work. The one thing I will give it is I thought that they made Taz talk in pictures. Yes. And I thought that was a clever device. It kind of reminded me of the pizza dog issue of Hawkeye yeah. mm -hmm. that David Aha should have been should have won like all the Eisners for. Yeah. Including best nonfiction work just because. I mean, yeah. he just should have won every Eisner that year. And and this yeah, this appropriated that good the only good idea in that book. Right. And uh, so, so she ends up putting him to sleep so she doesn't get eaten. Right. And then um, it turns out Circe has come into Thymascara while they're having a party and is fucking like, oh, we're going to freeze all these bitches. Yeah. And she has this army of men, and it doesn't make any sense as to why she hates Cersei just showed up. Yeah, there's no reason as to why she's mad at them. There's no foreshadowing. Who these people are nah, that nothing. she's with. And then uh, Diana goes, just so happens to go back to the Tasmanian devil and was like, hey, I need your help, even though I, I tricked you and said I, I was going to give you food, and I put you to sleep instead. Yeah. Uh, so can you help me out? And uh, then Taz is like, well, you lied to me. And then it turns out he, he, uh, she's like, oh, I'm not lying to you this time. I have the, the lasso. And then he gets right. the lasso and says that I wasn't mad that you didn't feed me. I was mad that you stopped playing music. 
and oh. po- at which I wanted to punch myself in the mouth really hard <laughs> and get blood on the comic oh. and obscure the rest of it. Uh, so any- you see, I would have actually splattered blood on my computer that I was reading it on. Yeah. I got it on Comixology. You and got a virus like, on your computer. I think it is. It's called the Bedardo virus, yeah. and it's it's so terrible that I might need to reread this just to experience the suck again. That's oh the, the worm has so, made its way into my, my own was, cerebellum. Oh, man, it was so awful, and the dialogue was flat. Yeah. There wasn't anything really clever about it. And, you know, of course, they saved the day, and then they're like, Taz, we got this big feast for you. And he fucking, of course, he's Taz, and he eats everything inside. And they put him in Greek armor. And, yeah. You oh, know, yeah, I yeah, forgot forget, about don't that. Don't forget about the he Greek. He already the looks golden. like a mutated... Uh, Jaguar dog. He almost reminded me more of Wiley e. Coyote by his design. I mean, it, if he it, were like six, if feet he was wide. on, if he was on roids, yeah. I mean, it, it was just, I, I just didn't. God damn, I just couldn't understand what was going on in this book. And I'm a fairly smart human being. You're a fairly smart human being. This book made no sense. I will say this though. I, I'm, I'm first of all Barry Kitson again, was the saving grace of the main storyline. Um, I didn't, I was so pissed off that this book was so boring and it is boring. The fights are boring in this. Taz was, okay, Taz is one of the fastest characters in all of Looney Tunes, right? Yeah. One of the fastest characters. The guy is a fucking whirlwind, right? Did he whirlwind out once? Yeah, he did. Really? At the very end to get more fucking Then food. I missed it. I missed it. And I missed it. Then that's that's just. I mean, I'm sorry. That's on both of them. That's on Bedard and Kitson for and, that. And that I couldn't catch. It's that. like the last panel. Uh, and he's like, Why "Oh, I didn't he do that in combat and, against an army of humans because that would be somewhat interesting, right? I mean, a super speed, lycanthropic he, looking kind of dude. He might have done that. I just. I don't give I missed I it. didn't give a shit. So yeah, honestly. Uh, I, and then the, the other cardinal sin that this book had yep. was they brought on another creative team for the backup, except well Tony Bedard wrote it. And Ben Caldwell did the art yeah. for it. And I normally love Ben Caldwell. But what they did was instead of breaking off and doing a completely different story, they continued exactly where it yep. left off. And she's playing music for him, and supposedly he has a dream, and the whole thing, I shit you not, is fucking musical. Yep. I don't like musicals in real life. I I do not like I I'm I'm I the do minority. Not, I do not share Adam's opinion of this. I but I do I, I, I'm I'm gonna go with you on what your central thesis is, which is Comics already heightened reality, and musicals also use heightened reality because the shit that happens in musicals does not happen in real life. So you're heightening the reality even further in a comic book. I don't find it as successful. I didn't re- even read the backup story. All I did was go, wow, I'm not so familiar with Ben Caldwell. I think he makes pretty pictures. That's exactly what... That's what I was, I was left with. And, and look, as a sales piece, for me to get into something that Ben Caldwell is doing the art on, sold. Okay, I'll, I'll read something by him. Yeah, it, look, it looked good, but I, like, I already hate musicals, so this just doubled down so on So you were, like, super angry. Oh, by the time I finished this book, I said, I can't wait to move on to something else. So let's move on to something else. All right. But first... We're going to use our basic rating system. A guy's walking into the comic. No, no. I will slap it out of his hand. I will pay the cost 
that my retailer had to pay. Okay. Just so he he doesn't lose money. Right. And then I will burn all that shit. Right. So that way uh, it's never to be seen out in the public again. If that was my customer, you know what I would do? I would put an issue of Superhero Girls, especially if it was for a young reader. I'd put an issue of DC Superhero Girls in Superhero. <laughs> superhero. What the fuck is happening to my voice today? This is my first night back from vacation. Oh, I just okay. got back today. So it's, it's still trying to uh, it, it's get, back into get back into the whole podcasting thing. But DC Superhero Girls is 10 times... Any one of those issues is 10 times the book that this was. And if it was for a young reader, especially a young female reader who wants more punching and kicking from Wonder Woman, that'd be the book that I would give them because it would also introduce them to a shit ton more uh, female superheroes over at DC. Oh, I, you know what? I'd probably give them the free comic book day, Wonder Woman would, number uh, two. There you go. That has Wasn't the, that number one? No, it was number two because of the way they split the stories for it was oh, even yeah, yeah, issues yeah, yeah. and odd You're issues. Right. You're right. And I, I would give them that. I okay. Would give them, I would give them almost anything else. Okay. Except for that fucking book. Okay. I... Might even give them like Tony Fleeks is My Little Pony. Uh, oh like, wow! Fucking, okay. I I swear to you, I would give them. Wow. Uh, yeah. I okay. W- you know what, Adam? I'm going to do you a favor. We're just going to stop talking yeah, about. I'm it just now. getting angrier. Yeah. So for the love of God, don't get angry. Instead, let's talk about Martian Manhunter and Marvin the Martian. All right. I'm going to let you take the lead on this. One. Okay. So did this book anger me? No, it didn't anger me. Didn't impress me. Not especially. And I'm going to tell you why it didn't impress me in a couple of different ways. First of all, Marvin the Martian is one of my favorite Looney Tunes characters. Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Jim. I, you know, and I'm sorry about this comic. I'm sorry. And one of, to me, of all the good that DC Rebirth has done, DC Rebirth has still put Martian Manhunter under, effectively under a rock. I, I, I once, feel once they put Cyborg in the Justice League, he got fucked. He got fucked. Did I try to read Stormwatch in DC New 52? Dude, with Apollo and Midnighter in it, of course I tried to, <sighs> to read Stormwatch. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. I mean, fuck. So I've been trying to read Martian Manhunter wherever I can find him. I fucking love the character. He, you know what? He's being done right now on fucking Supergirl. Where's the marketing synergy on that, DC Warner Brothers? I mean, fuck. It, it, so, okay. So, essentially, Martian Manhunter discovers a weird teleportation signal, and he discovers that he, a, an, an entity that he psychically recognizes as being from Mars is going to come through this portal, okay? And who do you get? You get an actual Looney Tunes Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian. I mean, uh, I heard that voice the entire time I read. Yeah, it. I, and and that part wasn't bad. So let's let's first go with uh, the fact that it was co-written by Steve Orlando and Frank J. Barbier, and the art on this book was Aaron Lepresti did I, pencils. Aaron Lepresti did the pencils on that. I forgot to write that down in my notes. So, did the book look good? Basically, basically, um, it, it, it was, was a step above Tom Grummet. Yeah, I mean, it was it was boring, but it was great. Uh, not great, but it was it was okay. Yeah, the the whole it was stu- passable. Basically, here's the Martian Manhunter. Oh, I'm so excited to see another member of my race, even if he's not exactly like that. He sees Marvin come through, and Mar- he's like, 
what the hell? You know, this is not really what I expected, but I sense he's definitely from Mars, and he's trying to make a friend out of this guy. He's trying to make a Martian brother out of him. And what does Marvin the Martian do? He discovers he's on Earth, so what does he have to do? Destroy Earth. He has to destroy Earth with the uh, Q36-something space modulator. Some fucking giant weapon. The the thing that he always has, which which is essentially a stick of space dynamite, and, you know, he's going to blow up the earth with it. And, um, you know, and it's just, God, it's just, he has to stop. It's like these rapid fire plots that Marvin is, okay, so I'm going to try to destroy the earth this way. No, Marvin, you can't do that. The earth, you know, Mar- Martian Manhunter, John Jones, I'm going to call him from now on. Too many Martians. Yeah. Um, Jean is trying to tell Marvin. Yeah, I love they how apost- they. He apostrophized yeah. uh, Marvin's name. Uh, so Jean tries to tell Marvin to, <laughs> to don't blow up the Earth, but I have to. You know, it's Earth, and, and, and it's a whole multiversal th- thing, right? And 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 he he foils about four or five of his plots before he's able to kick Marvin's ass back through the the space gate. No, he do- he doesn't. Oh, no, no, he doesn't. He does. No, okay, you just reminded me. Sorry, um, because that's, this was the last one I read. Um, he does this special Marvin psionic whammy to him where he makes Marvin believe that he has destroyed the earth, but he locks him up in a glass box basically. At, at until some, they at, can at, blast his air, ass back. Yeah, to Area 52 until they yeah. can rebuild the space. Okay, the book is bullshit. I mean, the, the you know... It's not offensive, like offensively bad, like Wonder Woman, uh, Tasmanian Devil was. Um, that one insulted my intelligence. This one put me to sleep. It just, again, it was boring. It was just boring. And the backup tale was even more boring. Uh, the and backup tale was done by Jim Lanning. He was the writer, and John Loder did the artwork for it. It was, it was more forgettable than the main story. And the main story, I felt, came off as preachy, too. Yeah. Oh God. It was preachy oh. about like, oh, you gotta love humans, and I'm like, no, you don't have to love us. And We're I'm like, not. what if you just told an entertaining story instead of just, you know, let's let's have, you know, God knows in various Looney Tunes cartoons, Marvin posed a credible threat to Earth in the scope of a Looney Tunes episode. So why couldn't they have tried to do this with, um, with? with Marvin and Jean. I, I just don't understand why Marvin didn't, you know, maybe he could have befriended Jean for a little bit, get to know a little bit of what's going on this earth instead of the other multiversal earths that he's already destroyed yeah. and stuff like that. You know, there's, there was a better story there somewhere, I think. Yeah. And, you know, a, again, the art by Aaron Lepresti was not offensive. It was not the best that I've seen from Lepresti, but it was far from the worst. Um, the backup. Oddly tale. enough, my favorite stuff by Lepresti is his Garbage Man. Oh yeah, work which was just like him at his peak. Yeah, and I, yeah, this was him uh, taking a job to pay the bills. Right, but this it, it was just bullshit. So, uh, Adam, it could have been if you know if if it had been a good story, he would have been a good artist. Yeah, but his art kind of lived or died by the story, and the story was. It made me go to sleep. Yeah, it just wasn't there. It, it just wasn't there. And look, I, I will say that this story failed to connect. It it was not offensive. It just failed to connect. That's the best yeah. I can. That's the best I can say on this. So, customer comes into the store, 
is looking for a book, digs the Martian Manhunter, like maybe it's a guy my age who remembers Martian Manhunter. It's written by Grant Morrison. I don't even know if I have a replacement book to offer. I don't have a replacement book to offer. You know what I would offer him? I'd offer him the uh, first three volumes of the JLA trades. Yeah. You know, and say, hey, relive, relive Jean Jones's glory days as drawn by... Uh, Howard uh, Porter. Yeah, Howard Porter and written by Grant Morrison because this is garbage. I might, I might give him that JLA, uh, the first three issues of that, the new 52 JLA with, uh, oh, yeah, with uh, Johns and Finch. That wasn't terrible. Yeah. That, I mean, it wasn't... Well, we can get into that on a yeah, whole other episode. But, I it mean, wasn't terrible. I'll I, say this. As an alternative, it would be better than, than what we got. See if you like this. Yeah. And hey, Adam Strange is in this book. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love Adam Strange. So yeah. um, anyway, so I'm gonna say leave it. Yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat. Okay. You, you you've got plenty of other things you could spend your five dollars on. Or you know what else I might do? I might say, hey, you might want to take a look at this book instead, and that's Jonah Hex Yosemite Sam. Now, this was written by Jimmy Palmiotti with art by the great Mark Texera that we don't see enough work from nowadays. I mean, this is the guy who reinvented Ghost Rider for the 1990s. Was yeah. it him or Phil Winslade? Uh, it was him. Mark Texera. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. No, I meant for the book on Yosemite Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, but the art was Jimmy Palmi- Palmiotti. 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 The, the, you mean the writing? The writing was him. And then the art was by Mark Texera okay, yeah, on the yeah, main yeah. story. And, dude, if the one of the best things to come out of the New 52 were the Jonah Hex stories in All-Star Western. Um, really? Because I've heard the opposite from people. Nah. I haven't checked it out, so I don't know. I can't speak to one way or the try other. Try the 19th century history of Gotham City. Okay. Of Jonah Hex having to travel west, or travel east, excuse me, and go to the eastern seaboard, Yankee country, where he encounters things like the Court of Owls in the 19th century. Okay. Gunfights and shit like that. And Gotham City was more corrupt. It was like sort of like bringing a Western character into, a, into that movie Gangs of New York. Oh, okay. In a way. It was so dope. I, I loved it. And uh, Jimmy Palmiotti wrote that book as well. So I thought it was really good. Um, I don't remember the artist on it, but... You know, I'm old. Wasn't it uh, Mortat? Yes. Good memory. Good memory. Yeah, it was Mortat. So I dug it. To me, it harkened back to that. But this was, it started out with this cold open of uh, the short guy and his three partners striking gold in them thar hills. And uh, the three guys are, you know, f- you know, flash forward a couple of hours and it's nighttime. They're out by the campfire and uh, they're saying, you know, we get a hell of a lot more money splitting it three ways than we would just four ways, especially with the way Stam- Sam has staken the claim here. I mean, it was a classic Western double cross. And, dude, you find out that he is a man of short stature, pro- possibly a dwarf. Um, but he is fucking Yosemite Sam with the fucking mustache that goes down to fucking Mars. Texterra did a great job of hu- of humanizing humanizing him, and he, I mean, they even they just showed him below the neck, putting his hands, hovering his hands above his six shooters, and you knew shit was about to go down. And dude wasted three dudes before they could even draw. I mean, he's like, you bunch of double crossing the <laughs> freaking fracking mickey mucking, you know, yeah. kind of guys. And 
oh my god, Yosemite Sam is fucking hardcore. I want to read a Yosemite Sam comic by by uh, Palmiati and Texera. And this book got fucking weird. Let's be clear. Yeah, it did. It got fucking weird because... <laughs> okay. So Sam is told that he should probably find somebody to help protect his claim because the boys, you know, that he killed, you know, uh, probably won't be the last people who will try and raid his gold mine. So who happens to be in town to hire him, uh, to be hired by Sam, than Jonah Hex. Uh, he dumped a headless body <laughs> in the oh, sheriff's office. Oh, yeah, in office. the sheriff's office. How are this we going to identify him? <laughs> He has back tattoos. He's got a snake tattoo on his back. Okay, well, we'll get your $700 in about a week. And in between that yeah. uh, is when we meet uh, Foghorn Leghorn. That's right, who is a giant rooster. Uh, okay, that he's obviously a you know traveling in a circus sideshow, as Freaks of Nature did back but then. But he's a fucking he's, giant he, rooster. He's a giant fucking rooster. Who's fu- fucking, I say fucking Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. Another one of my favorite Looney Tunes characters, by the way. I fucking love Foghorn Leghorn. And, uh, you know, and 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 uh, they they help. Uh, uh, there was like an accident or something like that. And they save Foghorn Leghorn. And then they flash forward in the book. And, and basically that he is a boxing champ. And anybody who can get in the ring and outfight Foghorn Leghorn would win $100, which in old Western times is like winning, you know, $20,000. I mean, it's an amazing sum of money. Well, yeah, in the bar, uh, Yosemite Sam comes and spends $3 on a drink, and everybody was like, what the fuck? This guy's a baller. Bottle of booze. It was a bottle of bourbon, I think. And uh, (laughs) I'm telling you, uh, so... Fast forward, okay, so in that same bar where he hires Jonah Hex, um, the the ringleader for the circus and a bunch of his uh, circus hands are hearing this story go on, and they're like, you know, fellas, I think we got a little job we can do on the side here. And, and he's got like a fucking snidely whiplash oh, kind does, of mustache, yeah. and he's twirling it and shit. So about him and a dozen or so f- guys are about to go over and and, uh, uh, you know, kill Yosemite Sam for his fortune. And Foghorn just had the shit kicked out of him in a fight, in a throne fight, really. Uh, yeah, uh, part, part of this was the guys were going to go steal the money they owed the guy that beat Foghorn Leghorn right. from Yosemite Sam. Because they'd never had the money to begin with. And so that was the whole reason why. Sorry, I forgot that. Um, and anyway, so Foghorn is, is wounded but he manages to outride them to warn Yosemite Sam. And, you know, and he's broken and bloodied. And holy shit, one of the best fucking Jonah Hex murder sequences takes place right now. I don't even want to spoil it. But let's just say that if you're a fan of the new school Jonah Hex uh, guerrilla warfare expert, you are going to like what what transpires in the last part of this story that him and um, um, the art by uh, Texera uh, accomplishes. It, it's just sequentially, it just wins across the board. I liked, my favorite part was the, uh, I don't know if you want me to, to lay off Are you on talking this? about the Foghorn Leghorn? Yes. Okay, so, yeah. so let's just say Foghorn Leghorn is near comatose as he's riding just slumped across a horse 
to warn Yosemite Sam. But he's able to do one thing towards the end of the comic, which made me go, holy shit, yeah. out loud in Sea Ranch on the coast, go, reading this computer, going, holy God, I can't believe they did this in a fucking comic book with a Looney Tunes character. It was so... Yeah, it was, it was good. Fantastic. Um, the backup story was the backup story. Uh, it was written by Bill Metheny and drawn by Dave Alvarez. Um, this had the same problem I felt like uh, the Wonder Woman backup story yeah. did. It continued straight from where the main story left off right? instead of trying to do its own thing, and it didn't quite work for you me. You see, you know, even though we have yet to review Roadrunner Lobo, um, we flipped through it, and in the second half of the story, it is cartoon Roadrunner being chased by the Bruce Timm-style uh, cartoon Lobo from Superman the Animated Series. And... I thought that would have been cool to see the Jonah Hex from Batman the Animated Series. Remember that? Oh, shit. Yeah. How cool that was in the that Ray Shaw Ghoul episode? Yeah. So I would have loved to have seen something like that, but instead they decided to do something with this extremely soft color palette, and I think it took place in winter, and it was yeah, just... Yeah, and they fought a bear. And, you know, and, and sure, bear fights are great. We, we'll go watch The Revenant, but it, it didn't fit in this comic for me. Um, it was a throwaway piece of the story, I thought. Yeah, so, I, I enjoyed the book. I, I enjoyed the main story quite a bit, though. My my only kind of gripe was I it was kind of by the numbers. Yeah. As I felt, so, like, it was just kind of predictable in places okay. for me. Yeah. Um, and that kind of took away from it. Okay, well, this is going to happen next. This is going to happen next. And then the end kind of wrapped up a little too neatly for me. And Jonah Hex rides off into the sunset. Yeah, and everybody you know. has a happy ending. Yeah. And, and so I was just kind of like, okay. Like, I, I enjoyed parts of it. But right. overall, I felt like it could have been done better. I'll be honest, though. When I picked this book up, I wasn't expecting a cowboy noir. So to see it wrap up the way it wrapped up, it didn't offend me. I, I, I got to be honest. This is a book that I would just tell anybody, look, if you like Jonah Hex, you need to read this book. You know, that's it. So I, I'd tell somebody to pick it up. If you like Westerns. Yeah, I, I'm on the fence with this one, honestly. Um, Five. Four, three. Uh, leave it. Okay. So we got to leave, leave it. it. I, I, and I say leave it because the next book we're going to talk about. True that. Is, is easily the book I would put in their hands instead of this. This, this next book that we're going to talk about. This is in our last episode that Adam and I were on. He teased a book that I should read that is, should win all the Eisners. And I'm inclined to agree with him. Do you want to take the... the oh, yeah. This was... Uh, this is so good. And this was... Let me preface this with the, Yosem the Yosemite Sam Jonah Hex book made sense because Palmiotti had history with Jonah Hex. Right. The, this book, Batman and Elmer Fudd, made sense because Tom King writes the main Batman book. That's right. And he wrote this book, and holy fucking shit... Elmer Fudd is terrifying. He is. He is terrifying. And, and it harkens back to an age of Batman where Batman's underwear is on at the outside of his pants. Right. And there's Silver St. Cloud. Who and was one of my favorite Bruce Wayne girlfriends ever. Yeah. And that's going back to 70s Batman. And, and this is one of those, I don't want to spoil too much from it because it's such a thrilling well, read. 
funny that I used the term cowboy noir in the first in in for Jonah Hex uh, Yosemite Sam. This is a noir Batman story. Absolutely. Where Elmer Fudd is on a trail of revenge and he's not expecting it to end well. And he doesn't care because he's going to get his two bits that he feels he's owed from this guy who happens to be named Bruce Wayne for a reason, for reasons. Yes. <laughs> and there is, there are, I will say this, there is a bar called Porky's. And there are human versions of all the, co- the, the Looney Tunes characters. And they're spot on. They're spot on. So they don't have to be monsters like in Wonder Woman. They don't have to be um, exaggerations or clear cartoon characters like you were watching Who's, Who Framed Robert Drew Rabbit or anything like that. This is a book where, you know, there, there's a card game going on and, you know, one guy is, you know, just talking like Sylvester the Pussycat, you know, fuckatash, and you know, and there's another guy playing Foghorn Leghorn, and, and Taz is this punk who's right? pissed off over, uh, uh, I think losing a pool game or something right, like exactly. that. Exactly, and it was just, oh my god! And Por- the Porky was the short, bald guy with a kind of like a, a snout. You know, but he just, you know, had a pushed in nose. You know, they were all very human, but they were evocative of all the Looney Tunes characters. You knew exactly who they were when you saw them and, and read their read their dialogue. Yep. And when you meet Bugs Bunny in this one, it's Jeez. so I never thought I would go, Wow, there's a noir that I love starring Bugs Bunny. And he was just a supporting character in this. This was all about Elmer Fudd. And hunting season for him meant killing Bruce Wayne for reasons. And it was it was beautifully crafted. Uh, Lee Weeks oh turned God. in the work for me. It was the work of his career. Honest to God. And this is a guy whose whose art I have loved for years. I mean, going back to his Daredevil stuff back in the day. This honestly, he has not lost a step. I don't know where he's been. But he is not doing enough comics, and I want to see him do major league comics again. You know, he has never been one of my favorites. Um, there's a lot of stuff that he did that was just kind of like meh. But, yeah. But the Captain Marvel miniseries he did yep. years ago during Secret Invasion that yep. was what won me over. Okay. And and I felt like as as good as I felt like that stuff was, I felt like this story was just head and shoulders above it. And this was a comic master at the top of his game. Yeah, it, it was, oh my God. Lee Weeks is so freaking amazing. His ability to work shadow and light is, I, I mean, it's among the top, amongst the top and, tier of illustrators in the business right yeah, now. And his, his panel layouts were so well structured. He mixed in horizontal and vertical panels and yeah. I mean, his panel layouts were crazy, but they were all they all worked perfectly in the vein of the story. And Tom King, this guy gets dialogue, and this guy got the dialogue of, of Elmer Fudd and his speech impediment and the whole thing like that. I won't even try and do an Elmer Fudd. Uh, we're hunting wabbits, you know. But it, it as well he, as I he, felt like Jimmy Palmiotti nailed the the dialogue for Yosemite Sam and, mm-hmm. and Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. Uh, imagine that with everyone. Yeah. And Tom King just delivers. And he delivered everybody. All of, all of the Looney Tunes characters. All the Looney Tunes characters that appeared in fucking the Superman Bugs Bunny 100-page 
joke that of a comic book that I read by Mark Vanier, where there had to be a race between Speedy fucking Gonzalez and the Flash. Um, at th- this, they didn't use Speedy Gonzalez because, first of all, he's a borderline racist fucking character that shouldn't be used anymore, in my opinion. I think the only character that I, for me, was noticeably missing was Granny. Yeah, Granny was missing, but even Tweety was there, you know, yeah. and, and fucking, you know, Daffy and the oh whole gang yeah. was present. All the classic Mel Blanc, uh, you know, Looney Tunes characters. And you you wouldn't recognize them to look at them, but then once you started seeing them do what they do, you can see the cartoon character in them. It was It was at times hilarious, and it was at times equally chilling. And... and- Ultimately heartbreaking. Totally heartbreaking at the end. And I'm sorry, we cannot talk about the end of this comic. Nope. We're both going to say, let's say at the same time, three, two, one, buy Buy it. it. You just have to buy this comic book. It's already in a second print, and you need to go snag that. Because we don't know about a third printing yet. There's been no announcements. But I'll tell you what, this is the book where if they end up collecting these issues into a trade paperback, and I knew that this is the only way that I didn't have to spend $100 to find this one comic book, I would buy the trade just for this story. Wow. That's how good this story is. Yeah, as I said, I felt like this this story deserves an Eisner nod. Um, the backup story, oh my God. I felt like that was done equally as well, and I wish everybody had taken that approach with the backup story where they, they just... Well, well they, kind, they, they kind of do in, in Marvin and John, uh, Marvin, Martian Man. Kind Hunter, of. They kind of do it where it's a loony, very Looney Tunes uh, backup feature. But let me tell you something. This is a Looney Tunes backup feature where it's Bugs and Elmer and Batman, and, somebody, and somehow Bugs is able to convince Elmer that it's not rabbit season, that it's bat season. And... We talked earlier about Batman being the joke in a comic book. He was the heel of the joke in this comic, uh, it and great. it was fucking hilarious. It was. In the, I mean, they nailed it. It was as much as they brought uh, Elmer Fudd and the Looney Tunes gang into Batman's world in the lead. That's right. This, this brought Batman and his cast of characters into the Looney Tunes world. Yeah. And did, I mean, it did a great job. And it was, and it was a solid joke, and, and it made me laugh. Yeah. And I can't say any of the other ones did that. This is Tom King, the guy who writes fucking Batman, making me laugh. Making me laugh and making me cry in the same issue. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. This, will, this book should be nominated for best single issue at the Eisner's next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. It just has to be. And if it is not, then the crime has been committed. And there have been those with the Eisner's. So... Maybe we'll even break down a little bit of the Eisner Awards on Sunday. Oh, shit. I would love to do that. Yeah. That might even be its own episode, to be quite honest. Oh, I would love to, to look at the Eisners. Okay. So let's, let's go over the books just one last time as we do when we do these rundowns. Uh, Lobo Roadrunner, we're going to review on our episode that's going to drop on the 27th. So stay tuned for that one. We're hoping to like it, but we don't know yet. Uh, Superman Bugs Bunny 100-page special is a pile of shite and should be shoveled into a sewer system immediately and forgotten. Okay, that, that's how bad I hated that book. Despite seeing some, some, some more-than-workman-style art from Joe Staten. So if you are just a Joe Staten fanboy, then I would say get it. Um, but if you're but not... don't a, read it. You really don't need to read it. 
you, you just look at, at the pictures, and he draws an interesting hook hand Aquaman, but that's about, you know, anyway, moving on. Uh, then we got Bugs Bunny and the Legion of Superheroes. Adam and I both say to buy that one. Yep. It is such a great Silver Age throwback. You'll love it. Uh, Wonder Woman, Tasmanian Devil, that's all we're going to say. It. Leave that thing behind. Like, it is a plague-infected body. I mean, it's just... It, it, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, fuck that book. Anyway, moving yeah, on. Yeah, moving on. Uh, Martian Manhunter, Marvin the Martian, is not the worst thing that I have read ever, but it was boring as all hell and predictable. I mean, this was really right and paint by numbers. Aaron Lepresti, uh, he turned in his work on time, and I'll tell you, Steve Orlando and Frank J. Barbier, um, okay. That's all I got. Yeah. You know, you can leave, leave it. it. Leave it. There's uh, better stuff out there. There is. Jonah Hex, Yosemite Sam. For the DC Universe portion of that book, we definitely say that's worth buying it. I, I think for me, um, Adam, you were kind of pushed on that one. It had, it had just enough imperfection for me that I'm going to say leave it, but that's, it's a barely. It's a it's barely. A barely. You know. So if, if you're enough of a Westerns fan where you had to have a new Western book, I would put it in your hands. But by and far, and this is compared to all the other, and, and let's be clear here, this is compared to all the other comics you might be collecting right now, okay? All the other comics. I don't give a shit if you're a DC fanboy, Marvel fanboy, Valiant fanboy, DC, uh, Image, DC, whatever. This story by Tom King and Lee Weeks in Batman Elmer Fudd is some of the best comics of the year, period, end stop. Nothing else can be said about this. I second that wholeheartedly. Yeah, so this is something that any fan of comics needs to read. So please, please buy this. Here's the thing with that book. I What caught it on my radar was I, I usually, for my reviews, I go to IGN. Mm-hmm. They gave it a 10 and they never give anything a 10. IGN is the most stingy with their 10 out of 10s. And, and I've only seen a few books get a 10 from there. And uh, I thought, well, that's, I don't know, that's kind of bullshit. Because I've seen them rate books higher than I felt like they deserved. And uh, this one, I was just like, ah, whatever. And then I was like, it, it prompted me to at least read it. Yeah, yeah. And um, it lived up to the hype. I can yeah. see why it got a 10. It, it's... It, it is a ten out of ten. We'd we'd give it a five out of five if we were doing a yeah. movie scale for it. This is I mean, buy it on site. It over indexes page for page, and that includes the Looney Tunes backup story. So, Adam, it was an interesting uh, exercise going through these books. I'm looking forward to reading those Hanna Barbera books. Uh, something about I've this, read some of them. Something about Suicide Squad and the Banana Splits is is making me a little afraid, though. I'll be honest about that. Uh, You'll hear opinions on that in you the next will, episode. Yes, you will. Uh, so, again, uh, on the 22nd, Adam and I are going to get together and unpack SDCC 2017. And who knows? We might even need to do a separate episode just for the Eisner Awards and to talk about some of that stuff. Now, some of those those announcements will be included with stuff that they kind of announced this week. Right. Like, so, uh, I know Donny Cates announced being a Marvel exclusive and taking right. over uh, Doctor Strange. Yep. So that kind of stuff, as it comes out this week, 
we'll definitely include it into the SDCC stuff. I also want to break down uh, Bleeding Cool's checklist to see how close they got their rumor mills. You know, uh, I wasn't impressed with that. Normally, I'm like, oh, this checklist has that a lot of interesting... That checklist just was flat this year. It was. It was. I was like, well, why are you chasing this stuff? Because I don't really give a shit. Why do you? Because they've already confirmed the story. I mean, and look, if I'm wrong, then, hey, Rich, prove me wrong. That's all I'm going to say, but... You know, is it a stretch for me to believe that Jason Aaron is going to write Avengers? No, because he can write fucking any book he wants to write. I mean, he has proven it time and again. So yeah, they're gonna—they've kind of given him the keys to the kingdom, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Especially if they're going with him on such an initiative and right. they're leading with their foot forward. Yeah. And and getting Mark Wade and Chris Somney to to rehabilitate Captain America. Come on, that that's like a slam dunk. So. We're going to be looking forward to proving those claims true or untrue, and then who knows? Maybe they'll we'll get you know hit from we'll get broadsided with uh, other announcements that that were way off there and other sites as radar. So uh, we'll be breaking all that down for you. And then on the twenty seventh, Adam and I we're going to look at their other crossovers over at, at DC with uh, their Hanna-Barbera characters. Yes, that will be definitely interesting. I'm looking forward to diving in. So uh, for Adam and Space Ghost, Adam, take it away. Go read a comic. And after you read a comic, listen to graphic content. That's all, folks.